Welcome to this episode of Through the Educational Looking Glass. I am one of your hosts, Courtney Edelman. And I'm your other host, Don Sturm. We're both in coaching roles in Morton Unit School District 709 in Central Illinois. Thanks for joining us as we try to gain clarity on the variety of topics concerning teachers today. So let's take a closer look at today's topic. Today's topic is looking at ourselves as continual learners. And part of what got us thinking about this topic was the NEA data that you shared, Don. Um, there was a chart that came from the survey January of 2022, and that data showed that 78% of respondents supported the idea of temporarily suspending professional development and other extra duties. And 51% of the respondents strongly supported that. Now, part of the complexity of that, as we looked quite a, for quite a long time at that um, chart, the other extra duties thrown in there. So if it had only been professional development, there would have been a stronger commentary from the from the membership on that well and when i first looked at it it was on the counter this is from the nea today the current issue i think it's the april issue yep. but as i opened i was like oh surely that can't be i was waiting for the i don't, don't call, call me, me surely yeah. yeah um i mean it, I, I was like there's no way why how can that many people not want to better themselves like that was what went through my head and then that other extra duties, I think, complicates it. It's a it's a strange addition it is. in my mind. Because then you get into, am I, you know, the uh, cafeteria supervisor? Am I the um, am I thinking about you know, getting kids on and off buses exactly. as my extra duties? Which that is a different yeah. a different animal. Yeah. Um, and so I did put a going back to the uh, connections thing. I thought, okay, I'm going to put this out on Twitter and see how people react to it. In fact, I even tagged NEA today and said, hey, can you tell me more about why you linked those two together? I have not heard anything back from them. But I did put it out on Twitter and basically say, how do you feel about this? Like, what what's going on here? And I'm going to read you some responses that I got from people. Um, and I won't say the names, but uh, this person said, PD is no longer actual professional development. It's corporate-based teaching you a system or philosophy that admin has spent money on. Real PD would be best served through a university and encourage teachers to take classes through it to better their professional area. Another comment, I want to suspend PD that I don't get to pick. Um, yet another, I have no problem with PD I get to choose, but the district mandated stuff is usually garbage. We need 30 hours per year. I have more than twice that with six weeks of school left. And of that 60 plus hours, maybe eight of them were worthwhile. Um, another one, it's been relevant, allow for follow-up and can't be one and done and not after school. It needs to include takeaways that they can use tomorrow and be taught by someone who isn't far removed from the classroom. And so though, and there were more comments, but those were the ones that I think kind of echoed what others said. So all of that has us thinking about professional development, a topic that we're really ingrained in at this point as we're working to develop professional development opportunities for our faculty for the summer um, and thinking about, you know, what, how do we feel as educators about continually learning and putting ourselves in that role? Yeah, so let's dive into the topic. So the last thing that we wanted to do at this time of the year that's stressful and there's all kinds of stuff going on with teachers, 
Um, last thing we want to do is send out a form to get feedback. So what we thought we would do is use a couple of metrics that we have available to us as we look at our summer PD schedule that we released May 1st, mm -hmm. I guess it was. Um, we have 15 selections taught by people within our district. Um, so we had 285 slots filled, 78 unique individuals. And then that's where I could say, do you know how you catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I can't. Every time the, I hear that. You told that in the classroom a yes. few times. Um, so 78 unique individuals. And we got the information. We have 231 staff members. So that, by our calculations, is 34%. So we have 34% of our faculty who is signed up for at least one PD option in the summertime. And I, that seems to be, like, I, that's about what I guess I would have thought about a third. So then it starts that question of, okay, well, those other 66% of people, do they feel the way that some of those individuals from Twitter felt from that NEA thing? So that was one, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Now we don't have past information to know, but I would say it's similar. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, not to discredit those, to, to make an assumption about the others who aren't signed up for summer PD, because we know there is this shifting of mindset or responsibilities at home oh, that sure. sometimes prevents people from doing that particular professional development. And we know that maybe they're engaging in other ways um, to continually learn within their own uh, own area. The other thing that we thought about and we went back to uh, were the interviews that we did early on this school year and what we heard from people, particularly about what they need from us and what type of professional development they prefer. So uh, in person was one thing that, and that may be a shift away from, we were kind of burnt out on the Google Meet scenario. Yes. And now that we're yep. able to do things in person, uh, we heard that quite a bit the SEL supports, which I think goes nicely into the last podcast, right? Yep. You know, of, of the district. So I think the district heard that, um, that idea of small chunks, not, and I think somebody put this, not nine strategies, maybe a couple of strategies. Yeah. So, which was feedback in response to something that we had yes. pushed out <laughs> and, and we listened to that, yeah. um, and, and take that into consideration. Uh, availability or when needed from a teacher. And I guess I look at that as being responsive, which follows up with that, you know, the idea of not waiting for something that's, you know, well, this has been scheduled, we're scheduling a whole year out. And so now these are static kinds of topics, but somebody saying, look, I'm feeling the need for help in this area and us responding to that in a timely manner. Yeah. And I think a couple of the other ones that are further down on our list, but it is that individualized PD opportunities, that idea of you build relationships as coaches. So you know what people, you have those informal discussions, you're talking with them, you realize teacher X needs this kind of support and then you help them with it. It's not this formalized, Hey, we're going to pull 40 people into a room and talk about it. It may turn into that. Right. But. Well, and then I think the last thing or, or one of those things at the end of the list is um, teachers 
getting something that is important to them and even licensure out of it. So, you know, when they're engaging in professional development, getting professional de development hours um, from that. Yeah. The one I do want to mention is we had one that's at least one that said something about like Alex training. And that made me think about the person from Twitter who said it's, you know, that most PD is corporate based teaching. So I often wonder like this teacher was asking for Alex training. It it's going to be taught by one of our teachers or coaches. So it would be interesting to see if they would view that at, in that same light or by corporate. Are they really talking about somebody from the company who has no context um, for the district? So in that idea of listening to what teachers are saying, taking that into consideration when we plan professional development, um, we really did want to be varied in the type of PD that was offered. And so you'll see, I think throughout the course of the year and also represented in our summer professional development opportunities, different types of professional development. So maybe to talk a bit about those. Well, it's funny, we've always, I, I think back to that graphic I created a couple of years ago before you were in the coaching role where there was an umbrella and like that branding, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we've tried to do more is this branding. So we have um, toolboxes. We have PD that is labeled as toolboxes. And those are things that, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, a teacher could take this and literally go into their classroom the next day and bring in an idea. That's kind of that toolbox idea. Yep. Um, deep dives, which I don't know if you were the one who originated those, but that idea of the more philosophical kinds of discussions. And I think you made a good point that if we are always doing things like toolbox professional development, where it's nine strategies that you can use the next day, maybe you aren't giving as much thought to really your philosophy of education or looking uh, down the road at what kinds of changes that you could make um, in your practice long-term. Yeah. So like this year, we're going to do what grading homework and uh, productive, productive struggle. We're <laughs> I struggling. Was struggling. Yes. yes. Struggling with that. Um, we've done uh, book studies. Mm -hmm. uh, we're currently doing uh, the, one of my favorite ones is the Atlas of the heart. Um, and we've gotten good response to that. And that one was chosen specifically because it did not have as much of an academic focus, but it had yep. more of an SEL focus. And that was um, a need that we saw and we're hearing. Um, Self-paced. So trying to give, you know, recently pushed out Open Door PD, which I think we referenced on another podcast. That's something that you can do on your own time when it fits your needs. And then the coach works, you know, if you want to take it to that next level of uh, professional development hours, the coach will work on your time schedule to meet with you. Yeah. And then we still have those tools specific, though it's not as prevalent as it used to be. And by tool specific, you know, when we first went to Schoology, of course, you have to have professional development. See, I, I guess this is what I struggle with. And I think it goes back to Twitter. Is that really professional development or is that training? Uh, right. And I would probably call it training because it's something the nuts and bolts of a um, tool that you're going to have to put into use. And there's not as much creativity or um, purpose rooted in your philosophy of teaching. Yeah. But then when I say that, we also do some training on Seesaw mm -hmm. and that isn't just here's how to use it. It's, it's ideas of how to use it or iPads. Yeah. Um, you're you know, leveraging Apple that you're going to yeah, um, That it's um, not offer. just, hey, here's an iPad, press this button. It, right. it really is getting them to use it. So um, I do think it's important that um, 
we have had the philosophy in our district, and I guess we could argue about whether it's good or bad, but that idea of we don't have a lot of outside presenters come in. Um, and I think on the positive side, you could say the people who are presenting in our district know the context of our district. They know our teacher. They may not know every one of the teachers, but they know our teachers. They know, they just know the culture of, of the district. And I know that some pay a lot of money to have people come in and present. I think it also values the expertise that we have within our district. You know, teachers being able to share out practices and ideas that they implement in their classroom, given the context of our district, um, and 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 valuing again that expertise that that resides right within our own classrooms. And even that, there's a complexity. I mean, we would love, and I I think admin has has shown this. They want teachers to come forward and say, "Hey, I would be willing to do this." That's always that. You know, how comfortable do I feel presenting in front of my peers and how do I look if I'm the one presenting something that, you know, like whatever uh, book clubs? Well, I'm not the only teacher doing a book club. So how do I look if I'm the one that says I want to present? But I think it's all we're always looking for uh, candidates within the district to help present PD. Which goes back to that vulnerability piece that we dealt with uh, a few podcasts ago as well. Yeah, I think really what this boils down to, if we kind of close this part of it, start to this, the idea of being a continual learner, like that's what this all boils down to. And that's what shocked me so much about that NEA thing. It's like, surely that's not what people want. Um, And it made me think about, I use a hashtag. I think I'm the only one that uses the hashtag, the 709 always learning. And when we had our previous superintendent, we were debating what hashtag to use and i wanted 709 always uh no uh always improving and i remember the discussion like well does that make it seem like if they're improving that they weren't good before and i i don't hold that philosophy but we did choose that how do you you can't argue with educators needing to always learn new practices, new um, just ways of doing things. Well, and one of the things that I know we have continually tried to to frame our work in is the idea of teaching is a craft, you know, and so if we envision it that way, anything that you are going to put time into, energy into that you're passionate about, you generally want to refine it and you want to know what is new out there and how that might uh, create a better outcome for you and those who you're leading. Yeah. And I know I, we've heard, we were talking about this, that idea of would you want to be operated on by a doctor who was using strategies from the 1990s? I mean, most of us would say no. And I, you know, I don't know that teaching is a whole lot different. Um, I think it helps us to be responsive to that as we've heard that kind of students are just different today. So we have to learn how to be responsive. You know, we could say, well, but I don't like that new student, but that new student is that new student. And I think we have to learn how to interact and be effective as educators for those students. Doesn't mean that you throw out everything sure. that you've done, but you know, really being reflective about uh, what changes need to happen within your practice. And then I think you know maybe the last thing that we'll end on here, and many of you know this, if you don't ever return to that role of student or learner, uh, it maybe puts you a little bit out of touch 
with your students and even one of the Twitter responses, um, the point was made that they didn't want people uh, delivering PD who had been too far removed oh, from yeah. the classroom. I think we shouldn't deliver PD if we're too far removed from that student role as well. And, and that's where if you're asked to um, engage in an activity and it puts you outside of your comfort zone, maybe you think more about that the next time that you're asking students to do that within your classroom. Doesn't mean you don't ask them to do that, but it puts you more in touch with some of those feelings or dynamics that might be taking place. Well, like we were talking about in planning for this, that idea of, okay, there's this in my grad class, there's this big project due four months from now. There were no stops, checks, anything like that. Did you like that, not like that? And then how does that play out for somebody that's significantly younger than yep. you? Um, so so we always like to leave with reflective questions. Yep. Um, and so our first reflective question for you is, how do you improve yourself as an educator? And what prevents you from engaging in professional development opportunities? And that leads into our last question. What can we do in our role as instructional coaches to provide meaningful professional development opportunities for you? you specifically. And so if you weren't somebody who we interviewed early on, we really would love to hear from you about that. One of our main goals of this podcast is to create meaningful connections. If you'd like to share your responses to the questions, we'd love to listen. This can be done through the Google form that we have linked through the public site on Anchor or through Anchor's voice response option. Additionally, consider sharing your thoughts with a colleague or an instructional coach to open up meaningful dialogue. We want to take a moment to share a comment left on a previous episode by Mary Holmgren from the high school science department. She said, quote, things I do well. I participate in PD within our district and enjoy getting ideas from and listening to teachers from all grades and all subjects. I am also a part of the AP biology and anatomy teachers Facebook groups. I actively contribute to both groups and occasionally direct message teachers in those groups to collaborate. I also stay in contact with people from my AP training from five years ago and people from my master's program. Yeah, we love getting comments like this. So thank you, Mary. Uh, and we thought this comment was particularly fitting because it just, I think she was getting caught up, I yes. think is what yep. happened. And so it was like a bunch of the episodes. So what I do well, the connections, and then even that current uh, episode that we you just listened to. So thanks, Mary. We have enjoyed taking this journey with you through the educational looking glass.